0: the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401 392-1025. Check out their website lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever guaranteed. Call Lawn Doctor today. Check out their website lawndoctor.com or call them 401-392-1025 john DePietro on am 1380 99.9 fm folks you can always listen online at this the uh, website which is com. boy it is never dull never dull in the ocean state how about you know you would think it wasn't going to be a big deal but it was yesterday bill to teach african-american history of rhode island schools passes after heated debate so ed fitzpatrick with the story boston globe section where they cover rhode island there's a lot of that now On the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death, the Rhode Island House, now, Tuesday, passed a bill requiring African-American history be taught in Rhode Island schools. But the final vote came only after a heated debate about a Republican lawmaker's attempt to amend the bill to require education about Italian-Americans, Irish-Americans, and those with roots in more than two dozen other countries. After eight Republicans voted against a section of the bill because it contains the words black lives matter which they said refers to a partisan organization which it does the bill sponsor representative anastasia williams providence democrat very controversial grew frustrated before the final vote At one point walking down the aisle without a mic- microphone saying enough is enough now we are voting on this in a statement williams said the goal gives students more comprehensive understanding crucial role rhode island played in the slave trade Williams said the past year, Connections Society, blah, blah, blah. At the outset, she thanked House Minority Leader Blake Filippi for working with her to improve the bill. But that evaporated when, well, Representative Patricia Morgan tried to amend the bill, require education, a wide variety of other nationalities, ethnic backgrounds. Said, let's teach about Portuguese Americans, Cape Verdean, Italians, Irish, French, Hispanic, Latino. She said, in no way am I minimizing the history, the evil, that slavery, you know, part of our history. I'm glad it's being taught. But this time of division in our state country, you know, everyone's kind of contributed to where we are right now. For a while, appeared no other legislator, including Republicans, would second her amendment. and only went forward when Deputy House Speaker Charlene Lima seconded it, later explaining she agreed with disagreed with the one to give her a chance to be heard. John Edwards, Tiverton Democrat. Argued the amendment was not germane to the bill. So he's saying, well, this, you know, th- th- this is about this is supposed to be about African American history, not the history of the globe. She's adding 27 other people. Joe Sakachi agreed. Morgan kept arguing. Good for Patricia Morgan. Somebody's got a backbone up there saying legislators previously passed a bill on civic education, so this isn't necessary. You know, and she wasn't wrong on that. And especially, why are we passing a bill that has the words Black Lives Matter? However, Representative Barbara Ann Fenton-Fung, B.A., Cranston, supposedly Republican, urged legislators to support the Williams bill. If lawmakers want to ensure education, they should put in separate bills. She's married, of course, to the most prominent Asian-American politician, former Cranston Mayor Ellen Fung. Next year, I'll probably put in a bill on Asian-Americans. But she said it's okay to celebrate one heritage. It's okay to educate about one, then work on other bills. Fenfunk said it's very poignant the bill's passing and then anniversary of George Floyd's death. Folks, what this is really is, is they're then trying to do that because it is the anniversary of the death. Representative uh Lillianne Cesar, a Barrington Democrat, biracial. She has spoke in favor of the bill. It's a reminder that up until now students in our state learning about african-american history was basically optional uh it's often just one month a year black history month and we're lucky to have that on a college level so our history should not be elective it should not be optional so you have to sit and listen and learn about the beginning of black lives matter this uh as patricia morgan said a very partisan organization to say the very least Flippy, the Republican minority leader, asked for a separate vote on the legislative finding section of the bill that says, in part, with a unifying call that Black Lives Matter, that citizens' equity be reflected. Oh, my goodness. He's wrote, Flippy said that by capitalizing Black Lives Matter, the bill is referring to an organization that has largely contributed to one party, the Democrat Party. It's not largely, it's solely. And that would not be appropriate to include that in the state's general laws. He said he would okay with the language if Black Lives Matter was not capitalized because he said Black Lives do matter. Williams said she doesn't belong to the Black Lives Matter organization. Her bill was not intended to promote any group. At the end of the day, Black Lives do Oh, my God. How many times are they all going to keep saying that? The House voted 58 to 8 for the finding section of the bill and 74 to 0 for the rest of the bill. So the legislation calls every school district, including its curriculum, a unit of instruction on African-American heritage and history, beginning with the 2022-23 school year. The Rhode Island Black Heritage Society will be leading the design, along with Rhode Island College and the Rhode Island Historical Society. The bill now heads to the Senate for Consideration. Folks, what this also means, though, is uh, don't look now, but wherever your children, grandchildren go to school, who do you think they're going to be bringing in? to teach your children about the history of rhode island you guessed it members of black lives matter they're basically now what they did last night and i want to again credit representative republican patricia morgan really leading the charge against this saying you know th-
1: th-
0: how did we arrive when now there's only one group that is singled out all the work done by the portuguese all the work done by the french all the work done by their towns and oh, all put to the side the predominant theme here is black lives matter their representatives will be brought into the school to teach history what type of history do you think they're going to be teaching the kids how about why don't we start with all the white students you can apologize now for what you've done to us and what you've done to our people you should all be ashamed of yourselves all you selfish whites star- i mean what is this black lives matter i want to remind people and again folks you're listening to the john DePietro show let's just remember it started under the guise of and, and and by the way other people have said this so i'm not going to say anything that hasn't been said or written before but it, it basically the whole premise of it started on a lie which was in ferguson missouri that you had uh, a situation where someone was shot michael brown and the initial eyewitnesses say, claimed he had his hands up was saying please don't shoot And the white police officer basically executed him and shot him anyway. All proven to be a lie. That's where the whole phrase started with. It was based on a lie of, quote, eyewitnesses that were never proven, completely just the opposite, disproven. And Eric Holder with the Obama administration, he examined this, went into the whole thing and said, basically, we can't find anyone corroborate that this actually happened. Just the opposite. Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, is basically going for the gun of a police officer thought he could overtake him he was fighting with him he was reaching for the officer's gun he was battling with him fighting with him he was a big guy uh, as far as michael brown was and then he was shot in in fighting with police but boy you'd never know that now that then started the whole thing of hands up don't shoot that was all based on a lie black lives matter that came from people saying you know these officers are killing young black men as if fill in the fr- their blood their lives don't matter And we're here to say black lives do matter. That's where it all stemmed from. And now it has led us to this point. And now you have, I mean, they are a political force. They have weighed in on the Israeli-Palestinian battle. And they are now, thanks to the Rhode Island Statehouse, unless this slows down in the Senate, they want to now put this into all the Rhode Island schools. And it's a matter of time before school districts will start to say you have to hire and employ a member of black lives matter at your school each school will have to hire a taxpayer expense a member of black lives matter who will be in charge of teaching your children the true history of rhode island and let's start off with this history lesson why don't we start off with an apology from all the white students for what you have done and your families did and blah 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 i mean that's the direction it's going Big winner last night, at least she was standing up, was Representative Patricia Morgan. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508 336
2: Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Spring is here.
0: Time to contact Bethel Certified Softwash. You can text Jared a free estimate at 401 617 2585. Bethel Certified Softwash. They have a great website. It's Rhode Island Outside your home, Let's get rid of the grime and the stains, maybe some of that that green algae and moss and mildew that build up over the course of the winter. Call Bethel Certified Soft Wash today. Again, outside your restaurant or your home or a roof or a deck or a patio or a walkway, it's Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Remember, it's biodegradable. It's plant safe. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel. B-E-T-H-E-L. Their Facebook page, the before and after, are just tremendous. Contact them today for a free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585. 401-617-2585. Again, remember, they have a great website. It's Rhode RhodeIslandSoftWashing.com. Bethel certified soft wash and power wash. Folks, you're listening to the John DePetro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is depetro.com. Joining me right now, he is a columnist for the Boston Globe, focuses on Rhode Island. It's Dan McGowan. And Dan, um, I, you know, I am still uh, amazed at how quickly, and want to hear your thoughts on Harrison Peters, him leaving. Uh, they had to come up with a package for him. Some of the people still just the whole way that thing came down—that is uh, really remarkable. I don't remember anything that moved as rapidly as that moved.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, talk about a swift downfall uh, that you and I previewed last week. I mean, this was on this was coming. We we I think it was very clear that the superintendent had you know lost the trust of a lot, and for any chance of a you know of this takeover to uh you know to to work or to even have a chance to work uh it made sense that the superintendent uh needed to go but what you're seeing now is you know the 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 truth is that's not good enough in the eyes of a lot of people namely the providence teachers union right and so you know this this thing happens very quickly you know they they negotiate a settlement that a lot of people don't like but you know, seem to be a, a way to kind of put this all to bed very quickly, which is what everybody seemed to want. Uh, but now you've got a situation where it seems fairly clear the that Governor McKee is going to stick with Helica uh, and Fonte Green, at least for the, you know, next, uh, I think her contract ends next year. So, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, you're going to see her in place, but now you see the, the real chipping away at this takeover. You see it from the state legislature, who wants to, you know, suddenly come in after, uh, you know, after supporting largely the takeover a couple of years ago, wants it to end. Uh, you know, you're seeing lots of, uh, very open criticism about the commissioner. You're seeing, I mean, God, you you're on Twitter a lot. You're seeing just nonstop, you know, Providence teachers. Oh, yeah. uh, and their supporters just chipping away at, you know, at, at the credibility of the commissioner. You know, even now you're starting to see go after Dan McKee, which is going to force him to, you know, at least think politically about how to proceed. So, you know, the, it, 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 it was a swift downfall. Again, probably the right move to, to get rid of him and to quickly. And the problem is, is that this thing's not going away because the teachers don't want it to go away, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. And Dan, you know, it kind of reminds me in sports where you see where suddenly the momentum shifts. So uh, it is really shifted in this. And and what about the commissioner? What is her mindset? Because she initially was trying to defend him and obviously wanted him to stay. And uh, he made a mistake. But after a meeting with Governor McKee, that was not going to happen. But where is her mindset right now? Do you think does she still have the appetite to try to You know, revamp this and go to I mean, because this is still going to take a lot to try to turn this thing around or just at the very least, it all comes down to that contract.
1: It's a really good question, John. And it's it's uh, there are multiple facets of it. I think that she had the appetite. and I've talked to her a bunch over the last, let's say, two weeks since this really started to become. Uh, a scan, you know, a scandal and, and, you know, for everything that happened. And, you know, it, there's no doubt she wanted to stick by the superintendent. She thought that this was a bump in the road as opposed to a, you know, giant crater. Um, and she thought, okay, you know, they'll get through this, which you know, it's funny that that tends to be, you know, bureaucrats and particularly in education tend to think, Well, you know, when it, when everybody thinks there's a scandal, actually, truly there's, you know, it's usually something far less significant and we'll, we'll muscle through it. We'll get through it. She was wrong about that. Uh, I think she knows now that she was wrong about that. I think she was not prepared for this to be, um, you know, a a thing that was going to last. Yeah. now it looks like this is going to last months as opposed to, you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, and one of the things I've said to her, by no means does she care about my advice, but I've said to her, uh, ever since she got here, you know, you got to sit down, you got to, you know, whether it is if you're at a conference or just hop on the phone for a while with Deborah Gist, the former education commissioner. Right. Uh, and I've always said that because look, you know, Debra Gist, what, ha, same sort of path as, as the commissioner here now, right. Starts out very. Everybody loves her lawmakers are signing on to the you know race to the top the things that she the reform that gist wanted to do and then folks chipped away they chipped away right didn't like teacher evaluations didn't like you know the the test requirement for graduation uh didn't like a whole bunch of other things that the that, that, that commissioner gist did at the time and she quite honestly got exhausted and yeah. then had a chance, you know, you had a new governor come in, Gina Romano. She knew she wanted to cool things down with the teachers. And Deborah Gis had a great ouch, which was go back to her hometown and be the superintendent, where she's become actually very pro-teacher. And the teachers love her uh, and, you know, has had a, success, a pretty successful run there uh, in a tough situation. Um, same exact scenario here, right? People loved Infante Green. Uh, For for a while, looked like she was going to be the reformer. I mean, I think I was saying, boy, she might be the most popular, you know, official in the state at at one point. Um, And she's, had, you know, it's even quicker. She's had things break down, had some missteps. This Harrison Peters thing is a misstep, right? It's not it it isn't overblown necessarily, Um, but it adds to that narrative of of folks who already, you know, have lost confidence in her. So I think her mindset is I think she's a little bit in shock by how quickly everything has changed. Um, and, you know, she feels like she she doesn't exactly know who to turn to. Right. The difference between now and a few months ago is is there's a change in leadership at the at the governor's level. That's right. And she doesn't have the same ability to, uh, you know, call up the governor. She talks to the governor every day. But it, you know, he's she is not his pick, so right. he, he's not going to waste political capital on her, or maybe he'll waste a little, but he's not going to he's not going all in for the commissioner when he has a when he has an election next year. Whereas uh, Governor Raimondo wasn't going to face the voters ever again. She was, you know, she was pretty committed to the Providence takeover at least until she was in the running for a you know for a cabinet office, and so you know she had the ability. For example, she had a great relationship with Mary Ellen Goodwin, the senator. She yep. could call Mary Ellen Goodwin and maybe not talk her off the ledge in terms of, mm. you know, uh, uh, you know doesn't like the commissioner, but she could say, hey, give me a break here. No one yep. can do that now. There's nobody in the commissioner's world now who can call up these state lawmakers and say, hey, give her a break. There's no one that can call the president of the Providence Teachers Union and say, hang here. There is none of that happening, and that's why it, it feels like there's this onslaught of of criticism of the commissioner.
0: Dan McCown, you're paid to give opinion I'm asking your opinion. If Gene is still here, Raunda was the governor and this happened. does Harrison Peters leave?
1: I think I think Harrison Peters leaves two weeks before it ever it, it, it even becomes a major news story. I think Gina Ramunda would have said, You got to get rid of him. He's got to go. We'll get out in front of it. We'll make it look like it was our proactive decision. Uh, And I think I think that's how this would have worked out. And then I think she would have done the damn the the, kind of the damage control to protect the commissioner wouldn't have worked perfectly. This was still this was always going to become a difficult um, You know, a difficult situation, but I think it would have played. You would not be hearing about the end of the Providence school takeover if Gina Raimondo was still in office.
0: Yeah. And, and on top of that, uh, Dan McGowan, the education commissioner, I, I just don't see how with a year left in a deal. This doesn't just she just doesn't start the job, you know, begin the job search of this is not going to work out. Uh, Governor McKee, I don't think they have the appetite for what it would entail to really rework this whole thing. You know, even Mayor Alorza said, I don't understand this was all about ripping up the contract. What's the point if you're not going to rip up the contract? And I I, I mean, do you get the sense that they're prepared to go to war this summer?
1: You know, here's what I think. I I think if you ask me, uh, you know, I like to to sports wager once in a while. If you were to ask me, will the education commissioner still be the education commissioner on January 1st, 2022? Um, And I I would say it's a 50-50 shot. Uh, and the, yeah. reason, the reason why is you're, you're exactly right about going into this. The th- the, this summer is so pivotal because they need a contract. Now they need a superintendent in place. And if you get to a school year where there's no progress, where it's still every day, you know, who's screwed up in the Providence School Department and who's to blame and all that kind of coverage, um, you're now very quickly going to get into – all the candidates for governor are going to weigh in every day. It's going to become yep. the center of everything. It's going to force Stan McKee to make more political decisions than, uh, I think, than oh. educational decisions. And look, this commissioner, you know, despite what people think when you get into these little, you know, the, the, not little, these scandals or these type of things in, at the local level, Commissioner Infante Green has plenty of relationships, both in Washington with the new uh the new biden administration the uh uh the education department there she has plenty of relationships in new york uh she has options here she can go already been recruited in new york multiple times since she started here uh and so now does this mean she gets to go be the chancellor of new york city public schools or the secretary of education nationally no you know she she, that's she's not going to have that high profile of a job But she does have options. And I think the longer this goes and the more painful it gets, uh, she's going to have a situation where she's going to have a decision to make. And, you know, she could be looking at, again, let's say September 1st, October 1st, you could have a scenario where, where every or the majority of Democrats that are running for governor are saying, I will get rid of the commissioner. If that's the case, she has to look elsewhere.
0: Yeah, folks, quick break. You're exactly right. A lot more, Dan McGowan, right of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA Truck and Trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 2110. 508 336 2110 for Miga, MEGA, MEGA, MEGA Truck and Trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. 508- 336 2110 508 336 It's mega truck and trailer repair. 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop in and see Marie. And It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the queen of health, 401 305-3585. You've seen the her store. It's right in that old white church. It's my health. Because folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland right across from Davenport restaurant has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best, plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Because remember, it's your health. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, uh, the Boston Globe coverage of Rhode Island once again broke news. It was your colleague, but interesting dynamic and you wrote a good piece on Nellie Gobia, her strategy her running for governor um, were, were you uh, let's take it through that she's that's a lot of people seem caught off guard at just how early it is that she's announcing
1: very early and and i think the i mean think about this Sean normally in in, in a normal time you've covered a million governor's races over yeah. the last you know 20 30 years and we're normally talking about Maybe the fall before the election year, so a year out, you'll see something. Even later at times, I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, told me Patrick Kennedy announced his first campaign for Congress, I think in May of the election Mm. year. Uh, So, you know, it is not uh, unheard of to wait very long. Now you have two summers, basically, of of all-out campaigning, um, if you're announcing this early. And so I was a little surprised by how early it is, except for this. If anyone needed to announce early, it was Nellie Gorbea. And she, you know, she needs to raise money. Uh, she's not a third in the four-way horse race right now when it comes to fundraising. And she's going to quickly fall to fourth because she's the head of Dan McKee, but Dan McKee is going to uh, become a pretty good fundraiser since he's the incumbent governor. So she needs to raise more money. She needs to... Uh, really tap into those national women's groups, the Emily's lists of the world. And then, of course, she needs to tap into the Latino community. Uh, and her her biggest challenge is if Mayor Lorza can gain traction, if he is if he is stronger than I think a lot of insiders give him credit for, they they're taking from the same place. Right. Doesn't this, that wouldn't desi- uh, decide the entire election. But even the people who are closest, who are most optimistic about the Nelly Gorbea campaign for governor acknowledge that if Jorge Alorza is taking away a bunch of the vote that might go to her, the two of them cannot win this race. And so I think she had to get out first. So I'm, I'm sort of the least surprised that she got out, but it's still, I mean, it's still so far away. And, and, and
0: Dan would, um, in writing about that,
1: I don't know. She's that's a tough candidacy
0: other than, you know, first Latina woman. Um, But I I don't think she doesn't really have to me hang her hat on a big accomplishment. Who's in her orbit? Who's in her circle who is guiding this forward?
1: So her big her biggest supporter is Angel Tavares, the former mayor of Providence. Uh, And that's a big deal in the sense that Angel has. Angel ran for statewide office. He was the first Latino to be a very credible, I think, candidate for governor. So he knows the pitfalls. By the way, I think he looks at Nelly Gorbea as a better candidate than he was. He always thought Providence was hung around his neck. Yep you know, whereas Nellie Gourbet is not a Providence person, right? She, she's from the suburbs. And so she's, in fact, if you look at her most competitive race back in 2014 in her primary, she did very well in the Barringtons and the Bristol's of the world, Ooh. East Greenwich, you know, uh, she, she knows how to do well there. So, you know, Angel Taveras is, is her big local supporter. She's got a couple of, she's got a little bit of a network DC that's helping her out right now. Um, but you're you're right you know it's interesting john cuz you know you have have covered and you're not the only one but you certainly have covered you know some of the election stuff that she's done and you know i think oh. you i think you'd admit fairly negative coverage oh my of, God. of that stuff now i don't think that plays in a democratic primary i think democrats right. generally are you know are supportive of the things that she she's done but that's the problem it's not sexy when you know you can't really talk about how hard you fought for uh, you know, let's say mail ballots when the Democrats in a Democratic primary will all say, well, we all support that too. And of course, be doing. Um, and so she doesn't have a lot. It's true to hang her hat on. The one thing I'll give her credit for having known her even before she ran for office, she is a bit of a policy wonk. And I think if she can get to a point where she's on a debate stage with these guys, And remember, gets to a point where she's on a debate stage, that means she's going to have to have a little bit of money in the bank. She's going to have to, you know, have the rest of her campaign kind of, uh, you know, moving along, at least in a decent fashion. I think she will surprise people. I think she will come across as a um, as thoughtful or more thoughtful, you know, policy person than a lot of these other candidates. But she has to get there. Right. You know, the smartest person in the room doesn't always win. They're not all Gina Raimondo. Um, and, and so that's where she needs to, you know, she she th- this is why she had to get out. She has to show that, you know, come when Tim White calls for that first, you know, newsmakers debate, it has to be she has to be ready to go, looking like a viable candidate. Right now, you know, she's going to have low name recognition because no one outside of the, you know, the governor or the mayor of Providence are going to have even remotely high name recognition. Uh, so she's got to meet, she's got to raise her profile. She's probably going to have to start to get on, you know, she's TV and in the radio pretty consistently. Um, And if she can do all that, I think she can be credible. It's a long road. This is a this is an uphill battle for her. There's no question about that.
0: Folks, so speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, what do you think this does for Governor McKee? I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic that you're going to have different people, obviously several now running for office. And we haven't had a situation where the sitting governor is being criticized quite a bit and second-guessed because there's a primary coming up. Now, you know, Matt Brown gets some coverage, but Governor Raimondo didn't have to put up with a lot of that uh, in in 18. You go before that, you know, you just – you didn't have that. Governor Kachiri didn't, you know, face a primary in 06, and then 10 was an open seat, and then Chafee didn't run. So – I think this is going to be different. How do you think he's going to handle? He, what do you think of his phrase of just "she's in campaign mode"? I, I I mean, they were all in campaign mode, so he seemed to me caught, caught flat-footed on that a little bit.
1: I think you and I both love the phrase, the old Mike Tyson quote: "Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face." Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I think that applies to some degree. The, the The governor can swat away the, you know, the initial critiques from the other you know the other candidates and nelly gorbea being the first he can swat away a little bit but he's going to have a challenge because not only is it going to become more frequent and he's going to have to start to address this he can't write everything off as oh that's just silly campaigning you know how this works for people. They're gonna. His natural inclination is not to swat it off, right? It's right. his people in his ear are gonna say, "No, we have to fire back. Let's punch. You know, let's punch back, um, and and let's you know go after her." And they'll they'll resist this for a little while, but I, I do think he's gonna have to you know come back with you know critiques of how she wh- wh- whether it is you know things she pushed for or how she handled it i think i'll tell you one place that she's why and you may disagree with me on this but she's kind of ripe for criticism in a democratic primary you know all the democrats especially the progressives they hate voter id and nelly gorbea for for all the you know democratic you know reforms and things that she supports she has not been all that vocal about you know opposing voter id and Mm. and the reason being is that she she knows that it was would go nowhere it's generally supported here and the legislature likes it but you know there's one way to say hey this woman says she's such a progressive well guess what she's been the you know the secretary of state for the last eight years and she hasn't you know she hasn't done anything about this kind of thing i think that's you know i think there's ways to push back but yeah, I think the governor is, is, he's probably right initially to, you know, to dismiss it. But he, he, he uh, you know, we know all of these guys, they, they love to push back. They love to have, you know, the zinger that you're talking about, the, you know, the great quote in the globe. And so, uh, you know, I think it'll only be a matter of time before he has to go into, you know, in his words, campaign mode.
0: Yeah. And especially, I mean, if the Zarela flare up was any type of indication, you know, it, it's it's always easy when you're on the outside, but he suddenly felt himself kind of in the middle of yep. what potentially could have been a hurricane. And and then I will tell you that other candidates are stepping forward and saying that, you know, he reacted too strongly and he shouldn't have done that and trying to reach out to some of the other people. So um, and and what do you think it um it says, in fact, that um. He he hasn't announced that he's running for governor just yet. That she's the first one.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's funny because I, in normal times, you know, and by normal times, I, I mean only a few years ago, you know, I remember the way the the Severes and the and the uh, Gina Raimondo and then members Alan Funk and Ken Block on the other side. You know, all of them had got to have their you know, balloons and big announcements and, you know, who's there with the big endorsement and they all got to do that. But the thing is, this thing is getting started so early and all of the people who cover politics, you, me, you know, certainly the channel 12 guys, the journal folks, we all have been writing about the candidates for governor for so long that it's funny. I don't know that they're all going to get major play for their campaign announcement. To me, Dan McKee almost should have said the day he got sworn in, you know, this is my, you know, I want to do this for next year and a half, and then I'm running for re-election, uh, you know, and, and just put it out there right away, because it's going to be strange if, you know, he calls us all the cellos in a few months and says, uh, you know, hey, you know, big announcement, I'm running for governor, because without, unless he's got a string of endorsements or some big announcement, it's not going to be all that surprising. Right.
0: Folks, quick break. A lot more Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. 3340 did someone damage your vehicle whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle west fountain will restore your vehicle get it back on the road call them today 401-272-3340 and remember if you're in an accident first thing you want to do call the police fill out a police report if the tow truck shows up tell them let's get this vehicle over to west fountain 401-272-3340
2: That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This portion of the John DiPietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Brother's Disposal.
0: Call Brother Roland today, now offering weekly trash collection services. Brother's Disposal. Look for them on Facebook. They have those purple dumpsters, and the Facebook page stands out, purple and yellow. Brother's Disposal. Again, offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate, 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Come on, brother. Call Brother's Disposal today. Put a purple dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're doing some spring cleaning, or maybe you want to clean out that basement, the garage, the attic. Call Brother's Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway, 401 401- 6880517. And remember, now offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate. It's Brother's Disposal, 401 517 We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, you have a piece, a political operative. He seems rested. He's put his uh, trial behind him. And it sounds like Jeff Britt is uh, ready and rearing to go for anyone who might need his services.
1: Yeah, I was looking forward to talking to you about this because you've been very critical of Britt as uh, I think is deserved. And uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Jeff Britt has been ever since being found not guilty, uh, you know, at trial of his campaign, uh, you know, the money laundering charge back in the 2016 campaign for Nick Mattiello. Britt's been kind of lying low, but a few months ago, I got a random call uh, from him. I uh, hadn't talked to him in a while, in fact. And yep. uh, he said, hey, can you meet me at the Brood Awakenings in Warwick? Uh, and, and we went and, and, you know, he was back in the mix. He, he had meetings lined up with people. He was ready to talk about the governor's race. And I thought it was right as I was. they were about to announce that I was becoming a columnist for the Globe. And I thought, well, this be an interesting story. But I wanted to feel it out, right? It's one thing when somebody's in town for a day or two, and uh, you know he's maybe looking for a little bit of attention. So you know, waited a while, and then talked to him this week, and he says, "You know, I'm going to be in town for the for Speaker Shikarchi's fundraiser. I'm going to, you know, be seen in a lot of places. Uh, and I fully intend," he says, "he 100% absolutely intends to be involved in the governor's race. And the thing about that is, John, as you know." It's not about his brilliant campaigning that that people hire him for. They hire him because he's the guy that does the opposition research. He does the, you know, I I think he would even he would admit sleazy things in campaigning. He'll follow. He'll you know, he'll hire people to follow you around. He'll uh, he's relentless with the media in terms of, you know, pitching stories and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, it's already in just the couple of hours that the story has been live, you start to hear from different campaign people. Hey, do you know who he's going to work for? So there's a buzz about him in town. I'll be interested to see if anybody actually takes him on or if he does something, you know, sort of behind the scenes so that people don't really uh, know because or do, so, so that candidates don't really want to be associated with him.
0: It, uh, although if he is working for a campaign it would have to be disclosed because absolutely have to pay him in that that's way. right so now but he he had made he made some real enemies with uh mattiello granted he's now gonna work for that law firm and it looks like mattiello could end up being a lobbyist yeah uh I, i'll be anxious to see because if you look at the track record i mean he he ran the ken block campaign he lost in 14, he ran, he was big involved with the Caprio campaign in 10, that lost. In 12, he had, um, running against Gordon Fox, lost. Uh, Block lost against Fung. Mattiello was a win, but then look at the way that thing ended. Right. So, right now, with no Republican in the race, I, I, you, I mean, he's telling you, definitely the governor's race, but he certainly had a relationship with Brett Smiley, who hired him at one point for the democrat party who is i think maybe mayor of providence but I, i'll be anxious to see if one of the four that we know of uh bring him on because i i think it's a different atmosphere after that trial and it's specifically you mentioned uh, dan mcgowan boy that element of uh you know having steve frayers followed frayers isn't going to go away no and i think anyone that hires Britt is going to have to deal with that um with just the way that whole thing kind of went down and and it didn't. It. He may not, but it blew up on him. And Mattiello was pretty vocal about that from the well,
1: standpoint. The two most feeling parts of that trial with Jeff Britt, one overwhelmingly was the following of Steve Fryers, right? Yeah. That was that was the one that I think your average person who maybe is politically engaged and knows that there's some shenanigans in all politics, was was like, Wow, that is that's that's low, right? I think that was the second most revealing thing about that uh, about that trial was when when they basically acknowledged the Mattiello campaign that most of the reason they took him on, uh, Jeff Bridon, was because they didn't want to, They didn't want to deal with him working for anybody else, right? right. And that is a common thing that you hear uh, time and time again. It's the reason why Gina Raimondo took him on in 2018, um, it's it's the reason why you see a lot of of that sort of stuff. And remember, he's he remains very close with Speaker Joe Shikarchi. They've been friends for a long time, so there is a relationship there. I think um, you, could, I could see a scenario where the Democratic Party potentially brings him on, is willing to deal with the hit of of it showing up on a campaign finance report. Uh, I think you're right. Your instincts on this are, are exactly right. I think it's real hard. Let's say Nelly Gorebaya brings on Jeff Britt. Uh, it's going to be real hard to. Uh, you know, to justify that, and she'll take criticism from everybody. That would be the first thing Dan McKee would hit her on. Um, so I think the candidates are gonna have to uh really dangle this. Remember, the other factor, the, the, the part that I think could be a major issue in this uh, upcoming governor's race is that outside independent expenditure money, right? Super PAC money. Um, and Jeff Britt knows a lot of people. You know, maybe you get involved in that you're feeding off, op- you know, opposition research so that a commercial can aim or that, you know, that that kind of stuff is not stuff that gets really reported, uh, particularly significantly aside from donors. And so there are ways he can get involved. Will he be the campaign manager for Dan McKee? I would say the answer to that is certainly no.
0: No, definitely not. Now, some of the other um, uh, you, you wrote a good piece about boy, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse he better be ready for his close-up because he's going to be getting a lot of attention. I mean, the Wall Street Journal already likes to go after him. and You lay it out pretty well, Dan McGowan. It sounds like he's going to be getting a lot more attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things Senator Whitehouse has become almost known for more in Washington than here at home is he did 279 speeches Uh. on on the Senate floor about climate change and it was part of a, you know, it wasn't just he happened to do 279. He did it you know, I think almost every week that the Senate was in session dating back to 2012. It was part of his, it was like a little bit of a gimmick, right? He wanted to draw attention. He got a lot of, uh, he did get a lot of attention, mostly in the kind of progressive, uh, you know, environmental world, um, with, you know, was able to kind of stamp his credibility on that issue. Um, and now he's picked kind of a new target. And it's, I think it's a little more obscure. He, he disagrees with me on this, but uh, you know, what he's doing is trying to target sort of this dark money, right? It's super PAC money, stuff like that, that um, you know, is able to uh, influence, whether it's elections or influence lawmakers. You saw during the, uh, I think during the Kavanaugh hearings for Supreme Court, I mean, you couldn't turn on cable without seeing both pro and negative ads that were running uh, against Kavanaugh. Um, And so and then Coney Barrett, the same thing. Uh, And so he what he's trying to do is raise attention and he succeeded. He he, you know, last night he gets on TV does his speech and then minutes later he's on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow. Um, You're going to see this a lot from him and you're right the, the big negative or the big opposition here. Um, is largely the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, which is huh. remarkably influential. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a we may not care about it so much here, but it is hugely oh. influential, and they've been very critical. They they think that uh, they've basically labeled him, you know, a, kind of a kooky crank. Is uh, everything you know? The the Supreme Court has been taken over by dark money, that sort of thing. Uh, And so he, I think he's ready for that fight. He kind of wants to have that fight. It'll raise his profile a lot, but don't expect the wall street journal to suddenly, you know, wake up one day and say, you know what? He's kind of right. I don't think you're going to see that.
0: No, not at all. Uh, Folks, each day, uh, many of the things you hear me mention, I I read about in uh, an email I get called roadmap and Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind, it's free folks uh, to extend that. So people that are listening, and it's so easy. It arrives in your inbox, and it is just filled with links and information and what's going on today, and, uh, and it's, it's really well put together. How can people get that, Dan McGowan?
1: Easiest thing you can do. All you have to do is send a blank email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. And it, you just spelled it out even better than I could. It's every single morning, every weekday morning before 8 a.m., you know you get new reporting from me or new analysis from me you get all the you know, my columns and other links to stories in the globe we broke the story about Nellie Gourbet running for governor uh, yeah. and then you and then you get a rundown about uh, of what's happening today where's the governor you know what's the big vote at the state house uh, super easy totally free takes 5 minutes to read so it started for your day so ri news at globe.com and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning
0: David a great job. Stay safe. We'll talk to you again.
1: Talk soon, John. Thank you.
0: For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist yankee tree service they provide various tree services including tree removal pruning land clearing stump grinding and bobcat service check out their website yankeetreeservice.com whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding Yankee Tree Service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps. Tree pruning. You know, many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down. The licensed Arborists with Yankee Tree Service, they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree, emergency service or bucket truck service. They'll get up in the bucket. Call Yankee Tree Service today for a free quote, 401. 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today 401 431 2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MIGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.